financial needs of a business go beyond tax and attest services. That's why CTBK goes beyond accounting services and offers outsourced solutions through their affiliation with CFO Solutions Plus. These additional services allow clients to focus on their operational and long-term strategic goals. Trust CTBK's outsourced solutions to provide cost-effective, value-added financial services tailored to your company's needs. Call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400. Or go to ctbk.com to learn more about CTBK's outsourced solutions. Welcome to another edition of Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants. I'm Tim Graham of The Athletic, here with Matthew Fairburn, also The Athletic. He is, uh, he is on location. It's always fun to say that. He is uh, coming to us uh, live uh, from the press box at Highmark Stadium. A real dump. We are hoping that it doesn't collapse onto the uh, onto the uh, suites below. We pray for your safety. We're also here, of course, uh, with Jonah Bronstein of the New Bronstein Times. Um, I want to get into Deion Dawkins. Let's just jump right into it. Uh, we've uh, talked a lot about uh, COVID and uh, vaccinations, how it may affect the bills. Uh, the pushback uh, from fans who have a segment of fans who've said uh, to let these guys uh, choose what to do with their bodies, their professional athletes, and the season hasn't even begun. And here we have a situation that we had feared in that Deion Dawkins had to be put on the shelf for the start of training camp. He has lost weight. Sean McDermott yesterday finally goes on the record as saying Deion Dawkins has a long way to go until he's ready to play. So imagine if this had happened during the regular season. Um, I guess, thankfully for the Bills, they have a couple of weeks uh, still to go to get Deion Dawkins in shape. But you unplug him from the team and, uh, you know, a 300-plus pound guy with an illness um, and has a tendency to lose weight. Um you lose your strength, you lose your conditioning, you lose your endurance. Uh, I'll just open it up. Matt, I'll, we'll start with you since you're out there at, uh, at One Bills Drive. Um, your thoughts on this and what you may have uh, heard today out at, uh, at training camp. Yeah, it's a tough situation for the Bills and for Deion Dawkins to be in. And it was one that it, could, it was sort of bubbling under the surface. He started the, the camp on the COVID list and Ike Butker came back pretty quick. He also started camp on the COVID list. We don't know whether Deion Dawkins was vaccinated or not at this point. Um, We don't know, you know, in detail exactly when he got it, what type of symptoms he had. We have an idea though. I think we could, I mean, Jonah, you were talking about puzzle pieces together. That's an important piece of information. I think whether he is or isn't vaccinated and, the analysis of this situation is different, whether that's a yes or a no. But you had, you were mentioning before we started here, uh, Jonah, regarding this event that he held. Um, yeah, I, I found it was ironic, if that's the word, maybe that's not the word, coincidental, that right around the time or shortly before the time that he appeared on this list, 
there was a big public event on Hurdle Avenue that the Endocans and others hosted and Channel 4 seemed to help co-promote it. And there was really never much talk around that event, whether that was uh, safe or wise or a good idea or good optics. A lot of hugging. You know, we saw footage right. of Deion Dawkins hugging strangers. Uh, just because somebody's wearing your jersey doesn't mean they're vaccinated or safe. It was. It didn't seem like an event where you had to prove your vaccination or get a test or I didn't see too many masks in the photos I saw. Um, and not to be too pearl-clutching pearl clutching about what everybody does, but it, it just seemed like an odd situation to celebrate at the time it was going on. And then when the host of that party turns up on the COVID positive list, uh, not that long after that, I didn't hear much talk about whether those two incidences were related. And I think to your point, Jonah, the, the reason probably is without knowing 100% his vaccination status, it's hard to say to what extent he was being reckless there. Uh, certainly if he's not vaccinated, then uh, it, you know, makes it quite a bit more reckless than if he were vaccinated. And it's been a weird element of training camp is trying to piece together who's vaccinated, who's not, to what extent that information needs to be out there. You know, if you see a guy, because you can't know 100%, you can pretend or, or put pieces together of, oh, this guy wore a mask. He put the mask on as soon as he entered the facility. Some guys could just be being careful. Um, and so until the guys volunteer that information or you're able to verify it uh, elsewhere, it's hard really to piece together, even with Josh Allen to know 100%. People say he's been doing press conferences without a mask on, but that's not really an indication because the press conferences are happening outside with sufficient di distance. Um, that's true of all guys. All guys have been doing them with their masks off other than uh, Cole Beasley. And the reason I bring that up is because Emmanuel Sanders, we know for sure was only one shot into his sequence and he did a, a press conference without a mask on. So um, that's not the, the telltale sign. All that to say, it's just hard to know for sure. And I think it does change the optics of that event. Um, given the fact that he was on the list for so long, given the fact that he, you know, had severe enough symptoms that he's not ready to participate in football drills yet, that to me would suggest we're probably dealing with, with an unvaccinated case here, but that's not a hundred percent. I think less so than how much Deion Dawkins, you know, should be blamed or to what extent he was reckless what I'm curious about with this is how much of an impact this could have on the rest of the team, particularly those who are unvaccinated to say, okay, here's a wake up call. And yesterday I asked John McDermott to what extent this has been a teachable moment. And he paused for a long time, you know, good four or five seconds maybe before saying essentially that, you know, there's been a lot of teachable moments. And, you know, when I followed up and asked if they've seen any movement in their vaccination rate or whereabouts they were, he said a little bit better than the start of camp. It's moved a little bit, but he was not, he did not look thrilled to report that they were so close to a hundred percent or anything like that. It sounds like they've had very small amount of movement. And if anything, it's possible after cutting a few guys, it went down. So 
to me, that was the, the thing. Look, Deion Dawkins gets COVID, whether he was vaccinated or not, um, you know, unfortunate for him, especially a guy as big as he is, puts him in a high-risk category. Certainly as a football player, he's the guy that you don't want to get it close to almost anybody, uh, more than anybody on the roster because of what Tim mentioned, the weight you can lose, conditioning-wise. It can, you know, that could lead to a long road back for an offensive lineman but it very much could have been a teachable moment. And I just don't know if it quite sunk in for everybody because uh, Sean McDermott wasn't, you know, ready to, to declare that yesterday. And, and that seemed a little bit telling to me. We don't even know for sure if Deion Dawkins is going to be available for the season opener. There are only two more preseason games left in the shortened NFL season. What kind of reps will he get? In these preseason games, in practice, do you want to risk him going out there, even if he's on the verge of coming back? Is Deion Dawkins one of those players that you just say, look, uh, he's a veteran, he's a captain, uh, we can trust that on opening day he's going to be ready to go, therefore we're going to save him some of these reps, uh, we're going to not risk him getting injured or uh, not being in proper shape and trying to overcompensate or, you know, all the different things that you hear about a player who goes out there, not at full go, especially in the, in, in preseason going up against guys who are fighting for roster positions on the other side of the ball. I mean, he's going to, he's going to have a lot coming at him uh, in the event that he does uh, end up on the field uh, before the regular season opener. And then, I guess the next step that you take is without those reps or I guess what's the balance of, of getting him ready to go and can he be ready to go uh, with the limited time that's available to him? Yeah. And I think it's one of the bigger issues on the team is the depth they have at offensive tackle. Uh, Tim, I know you were mentioning before we hit record, you were uh, bombarded with Bobby Hart questions in your mailbag this week after his sterling performance. Right. And I'm thinking, look, Bobby, we don't, do we really need to worry about Bobby Hart? Now, maybe we do a a little bit more now with this information that we have regarding Deion Dawkins, but look, Spencer Brown has been holding down that position throughout training camp. He's getting all the reps there with the first team, which is good, I guess, you know, for him, for a young player. Um, Cody Ford can play tackle. There is some position versatility. Um, it's interesting, though. I wonder. Uh, I wonder if there was any interest in bringing Jason uh, um, Jason Peters back. Uh, Jason Peters just signed with the Chicago Bears over the weekend. Of course, um, you know he's he's not the left tackle he used to be, but um, that would have been an interesting reunion. Anyways, that's a tangent. Yeah, they're not deep at offensive tackle. It's one of the few spots where you could look at their roster and say, yeah, if they have an injury, that could be tough. It's why they drafted Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle. But the plan mostly was let these guys develop behind Deion Dawkins and Darrell Williams. They even brought in Bobby Hart as maybe a potential stopgap swing tackle if they needed one. But, you know, I I think if Deion Dawkins, there's a couple of things with Deion Dawkins. You mentioned, will he be ready for the start of the season? I think that's a fair question considering Sean McDermott says he has a long way to go. We have not seen him participate in team drills. He just put a helmet on for the first time yesterday. Matthew, let me ask your your thought, because you're in so many of these news conferences. 
to read between the lines or read the, the Sean McDermott tea leaves. He didn't have to say what he did yesterday regarding Deion Dawkins. What do you make of the fact that Sean McDermott was so blunt regarding Deion Dawkins? It was interesting because, you know, Joe Biscaglia, our, our colleague at the athletics said, you know, Sean didn't seem, seem thrilled. And I, you know, he said it reminded him of when, you know, Deion Dawkins, Sean called him out a couple of years ago, you know, when he had that down second season and was blunt about putting him on the spot to get him, you know, get him back focused, get him back in line. And so it kind of goes back to what Jonah was saying earlier. Like, it seems like it's a, such a different conversation if he's vaccinated versus unvaccinated. So, you know, if he's unvaccinated and he gets COVID and then it does stuff to his body that, you know, makes it hard for him to be in shape. I think you're justified in being pissed off at the guy. And if you're a coach, you're fine calling him out. If not, you know, there should be a little bit more sympathy there. If this guy's done what he can to protect himself and then has an unfortunate breakthrough case with tough symptoms. So, yeah, I think the fact that he was willing to be blunt was noteworthy and coupled with the fact that he was not really willing to say that this had opened any eyes in the locker room. And he seemed a little disappointed in that, you know, he, he really, he's on autopilot a lot of times in these things. And when he heard that question, he sort of had like a sigh and a, a long pause and was just kind of like, yeah, I'll find the quote because, you know, I, I think it's, you know, to me, it was as if he was treating the news conference, your question, your exchange as the teachable moment. Which like a lot of coaches do. Sean McDermott isn't one that seems to do that very often, but coaches tend to do that in a lot of cases. While Matt's looking for that quote, I'll make a quick point. I think one thing that should be concerning here is that Deion Dawkins is a locker room leader. I think a lot of the players follow him because of his personality, but also his success on the field. He's a captain. So if this happens and when we're assuming uh, that he was not vaccinated and, and was maybe cavalier about some of the protocols and the different things to do to protect himself and the team, uh, so I think if, if you're Sean McDermott, you're more concerned that one of the leaders of your team and the dominant personalities had this experience. And it's not an end of the roster guy that Brandon Bean can just cut if they're not happy with. Sean McDermott said, I think we have a lot of teachable moments out there. I think we're reminded if I knew everything that was going on in the world every day, I'm sure there's a ton of teachable moments as far as COVID goes. I just hope this resonates with the people it needs to resonate with. Again, all of us, we need to all be vigilant about doing the right things. And on the vaccination percentage, he said, I think it moved a little bit since we opened camp. That's about where we are. So he was not thrilled. He was not overjoyed he was not eager to say that this had sunk in with guys because let's not forget either if it had been a teachable moment maybe it would have taught some guys by now um he's been on the list for a while right you know uh, he's if it was a week into camp bucker comes back and you know people say hey Dion's having a rough time with this and we don't know what it's looking like now maybe if he's still having a rough time here this week and, you know, there's a message out there that said, see, this is what disappoints me a little bit. Deion Dawkins has been back off the list. We know how Deion Dawkins is, loves, loves doing interviews, loves great personality, loves to talk. Uh, 
this is a, an opportunity for Deion Dawkins to be a leader in the locker room and really a leader in the community to do an interview, do, you know, do a press conference and say, okay, maybe he wasn't vaccinated. You know, in that case, say, look, I messed up. I wasn't vaccinated. And now look, you know, I, I haven't even been able to get on the field. If he is vaccinated, still a teachable moment, I think, in some ways to say, like, this is still out there. This is still, you know, serious. So to what extent he's taking it that way? I don't know. Um, and it's unfortunate that these things need to happen and they need to hit close to home for a lot of people to to have them take things seriously. But it's tough to know whether it's going to change minds in there if it hasn't already, I guess. And it's a weird line, I think, for Sean McDermott to walk too, right? You know, he's probably doing what he can in his room to use this as that teachable moment. But at the same time, we've seen his tone change on this from in the spring. And now I think he's probably recognized that when he got to camp, there's some significant veteran players on the team who are not vaccinated and it's making it hard to balance as a coach. How much do you try to hammer it into these guys versus, you know, foster that we care about everybody and, and we care about our guys and we're going to well, stay Take a look you. at what his close friend Ron Rivera is doing in Washington. Ron Rivera is getting more and more outspoken. He's pissed off because he's vulnerable as a cancer survivor and also for the football aspect, but he, he can't, he's, he's having problems with the players who can't understand or who are believing in the, uh, you know, the misinformation that's out there that he's getting more and more emboldened regarding what he has to say. He gives zero Fs, I think, about whether he's alienating a certain segment of his players, those who maybe aren't going to buy in. Whereas I think Sean McDermott, at least so far, has been, and, and he knows who's vaccinated and who's not. It, I think that we can bank on some fairly, fairly critically important players on this roster who are not vaccinated. And he doesn't want to piss off. He's got a locker room that he's got to keep together because there's a chance that this team can win the Super Bowl. So he's in a little bit of a different situation as Ron Rivera is on so many different levels. Uh, but I think it's interesting. Maybe as he, you know, the frustrations continue to build. Uh, just let me I ask both you guys this. I mean, I don't know. This is a, maybe a leap. But based on what – and Cole Beasley has done a good job of keeping quiet since he made his statement. He said he was going to keep quiet, which is something he doesn't always follow up on. He's gotten off of Twitter a dozen times. He's quit Twitter a dozen times in his life. Uh, do you think that if Deion Dawkins were vaccinated, that Cole Beasley would be able to help himself and not tell everybody this? Because that seems to be the exact type of thing that Cole Beasley would want everybody to know, that – look, this guy got vaccinated and he's still, this would be like the ultimate reinforcement to Cole Beasley's argument would be if Deion Dawkins had been vaccinated. So even if he doesn't actually say Deion Dawkins' name, I don't know. I mean, and again, it's well, a leap. Well, I mean, I it, it's, it's, a it's a presumptuous thing to say, but I get the that feeling that it would be out already. there. He said that already without name of players that vaccinated players were sent home for testing positive. And that's why I do think it's important that we find out whether Deion Dawkins or any of these players on the COVID list are vaccinated or not, at least some raw numbers and a percentage and how 
many times vaccinated players are turning up positive, how many times vaccinated players are getting sick, and whether this is going to linger on through the season as much as it did last season and things like that. But at the same time, it, from my perspective, the football part of it's the least important. There's backups on the roster. There's things you can do to bring new players in. Players get hurt. Uh, you know, you're going to have to use backup players and go through uh, your full roster throughout the whole season. That's just part of the game. What I think is if Deion Dawkins brands himself and has this imagery as a Buffalo guy, a big part of the community, he owes it to this community to be more open and honest about his vaccination status. And if he's hosting events, uh, people should know that. But also, I, I assumed he was vaccinated because he was in the Channel 4 studios to promote that event. And I would think, I assumed that you had to be vaccinated to go work in that studio. I would think if I was you, Tim Graham, and I was going to shoot that show there, I would want to know whether vaccinated or unvaccinated people were in my presence or were in that studio before me. And so that should be something that has to be put out into the public discourse as long as Deion Dawkins and any football player is trying to be a public figure in that way. I think you're absolutely right. And I do wonder if that's why I say, I really don't know. And I think the clues can pull you in a few different directions on whether this guy was vaccinated or not. The fact that he got so sick, I mean, ultimately makes you think he wasn't, but at the same time, yeah, Cole Beasley probably wouldn't have been able to help himself, but it also would have made it less of a teachable moment too, wouldn't it have, right? Like that would have been the worst thing that could happen, you know, and maybe that's Well, there's the of- teachable moment could be, all right, if you're vaccinated and you get it again, you still have to be careful by not going out to a public event on Hurdle Avenue and hugging every third person who comes up to you, not wearing a mask. You don't know if they're vaccinated uh, all those types of things. So there could be, there are different ways. I'm not in the, not in the teachable moment that Sean McDermott wants it to be where it's like, this guy wasn't vaccinated and now he's not ready to be there for his teammates. You don't want that to be you. And that's, you know, it's not, if, if that were the case, it wouldn't move the needle on their vaccination rate. And maybe it could still be a teachable moment in a lot of other ways like you mentioned that uh, for all of us, really, you know, just because we're vaccinated with new variants out there, there's, you know, certain precautions that, that you have to take. And, and yeah, the event, look, eventually Deion Dawkins is going to talk, you know, everybody always wonders that like, Oh, when's Deion? He will have to talk. I mean, you know, Cole Beasley spoke, they're going to make Deion Dawkins available at some point. He's a, he's a likable guy. He's a good talker. And, you know, the sooner he talks, the, the better for him because he'll get it out of the way. But I do think it's it's important to, to know one way or the other where, because to Jonah's point, he's holding events, he's doing public things. And that's a big part of who he is. That's a big part of being the snowman is, uh, is doing these events and being out and, and talking to people. He loves that. And if he's going to do if that, when he's he asked, should know. What if when he's asked, he says, I'm not going to answer that or that's private. Bullshit if he does that. I will say I will I will and I will say this to him more than I would to another guy who says, no, I'm not going to talk about it. I will say, well, don't you think you should probably disclose that if you're going to be holding public events where you're hugging folks? Don't shouldn't they don't they deserve to know? Uh, Doesn't the public deserve to know before they decide to show up to the next snowman event whether 
you are vaccinated or not. Because and until decides to say he's not going to say it, then, then I mean, that's his prerogative. I'm not, you know, you can't force it out of a guy. Uh, I've never seen that tactic used in the press to, to get an answer out. But, um, I mean, I think he has some semblance of responsibility to share more than another guy, right? More than Josh Allen. Although Josh Allen, I don't know. That's where I – that's where people saying, oh, you guys stay out of their business, this and that. Josh Allen or Jordan Poyer going up and handing a football to an 85-year-old fan sitting in the stands. At, oh, look at this guy. He made his day. Look at Jordan Poyer making this guy's day. Is Jordan Poyer vaccinated? I don't know. Um, again, we can assume based on the way his uh, wife has shared her opinions on Twitter, but we don't know if Jordan Poyer is vaccinated. I don't know. I don't have his records, uh, and he has not stated for the record, one way or the other. So I'm not going to draw an assumption, but that 85-year-old man sitting in the front row deserves to know because he's getting a football from him or Josh Allen playing catch with the guy, with people in the stands. Real cool thing to do as the franchise quarterback. And the way to germs though. Right. Like I, I, you know, is the football going to spread, you know, outdoors? Again, I don't want to be too clutching my pearls here, but it's why this is beyond just somebody. How many of us have had to share our vaccination status to do our jobs? And yet the most public of figures, they're the ones who deserve the utmost privacy on this. I had to share my vaccination status with the bills. I was required to get vaccinated to talk to these guys in person. Nobody, not one single member of the Buffalo media, and to my knowledge, very few, maybe one person in the entire PFWA has made any issue of it. Like, so why do we, you know, why, why is it that the people we're talking to, it's like, oh, this is such a private matter. It's only really a private matter if you didn't get vaccinated. Well, it's a, it's a public health crisis. It's not a right. public health crisis. And, you know, Jordan Poyer will do sit-down interviews to talk about the depths and detail of his alcoholism, but even asking him about his vaccination is a, an affront to all, you know, privacy and, and things that NFL players are entitled to above and beyond anyone else, not even in society, but working in and around the NFL. Like all the coaches are, if not mandated to get vaccinated, have been strongly encouraged. You're essentially mandated. I'm the opposite. I will talk about my vaccination status to avoid talking about my drinking problem. Well, there, there you go. go. So you and Jordan Poyer should maybe have a talk and get on the same page. But yeah, well, what was the point I wanted to make? I lost my train of thought. But I, I don't like because I look, I don't agree with many, many of the things Cole Beasley is saying, but I respect his willingness to speak his mind. I don't respect that he doesn't do it in interviews and he does it on Twitter and he does it in rap lyrics in that kind of, you know, strange way that he presents only his opinions without being able to be challenged in any way. But at least we know where he stands and he brings some of this out there and we understand his viewpoint and can maybe extrapolate other players' viewpoints from what Cole Beasley's saying. When there's players like Josh Allen that have indicated that they're not vaccinated or vaccine hesitant, and then they come to training camp and say, that's not something I'm going to talk about. Now we don't know whether they're vaccinated or not, and we don't know how to analyze whether they get sick or test positive or not. And it's a big uh, confusion from a public health standpoint, from a media standpoint, and even being fans of the team. There's people out there, I think, that don't want to root for Cole Beasley and certain players because of their 
vaccination status. And I think that's what Bill's PR is trying to avoid. But I do think that the fans that invest this much emotionally in the team deserve to know the answer to this question. As long as the players are willing, especially if the players want to share their thoughts on it, when it's the team and PR and the NFLPA that's saying, don't talk about this publicly, it should not be cloaked as some sort of secret private matter. It should be something that's out in the open. If you are against the vaccine, if you have questions and concerns and hesitancy about it, talk about that and tell us why. But it, this shouldn't be something that you're allowed to keep close to the vest or encouraged to keep close to the vest and act like it's an affront to ask about it and try to find out the truth of the matter. And Jonah, respect, you mentioned. No, go ahead, Matthew. I, I respect a great deal, Ron Rivera, Mike Zimmer, the guys who have come out and been strongly had strong things to say about, you know, their players who aren't vaccinated or trying to push things in the right direction. I, I think I understand those who don't, right. Because I understand it's easier to just say, I'm not going to talk about it. And eventually it goes away. And we start asking about, you know, the rotation on the defensive line and, and whatever else that, that we talk about day to day in training camp, because you just can't ask it every day, right. You're going to get the same answer. But I just have, when you see other coaches and players handling it a certain way, Baker Mayfield before training camp saying, I got vaccinated because I think it's important for my team, but I also think it's just important for our community that everybody do it. You see the example that, that guys can set. You see the, the positive message instead of the confusion and misinformation that guys continue to spin. And it's why there is a kernel of what Jonah is saying with Cole Beasley, where I respect that he's willing to speak his mind. I respect that he's willing to push back against the NFL and the NFLPA because I do think some of their rules are a little disjointed and I do think some of their communication has been poor. What I don't respect about Cole Beasley is that he doesn't even seem to have an opinion on the vaccine other than don't tell me what to do, which is a really garbage opinion. Um, the, the people whose opinion boils down to screaming freedom, it, it, it just annoys, annoys me to no end. But I also don't have a lot of respect for Cole Beasley throwing out misinformation and not being willing to take any questions. Throwing out accusations about, oh, we don't have all of our information, or this doctor told me, you know, throwing stuff out that is just provably false, throwing stuff out about, oh, well, we think 600,000 people died, but we don't know. And then not being able, not being willing to answer any questions or take any pushback. If you want to start a conversation, be willing to have that conversation. And he wasn't. So I don't have a lot of respect for that. But if these guys want to bring a conversation to the table and provide any sort of legitimate reasoning for what they're doing, that's fine. But when you have guys like Kirk Cousins saying they're willing to plexiglass themselves in a, you know, to isolate themselves in a meeting, but they're not willing to take a shot. I mean, it's unbelievable to me. And so, yeah, they can, you know, to, to an extent. Yeah. We, there is, let's take, let's take that out onto the field real quick, Matthew. I wonder what Josh Allen's feelings are about his blindside protector, not being available to him. So, okay. Regardless of what your feelings are on vaccinations, the fact that there are people on the other side of that line of scrimmage who get paid tens of millions of dollars to, drive you into the ground 
And the guy who you need most of all is not out there because of the pandemic, because of coronavirus. Um, regardless of what you think about the shot, um, I'd like to think that somebody values somebody's safety out there uh, and the big investment, all those hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, Do you think Josh Allen really has that foresight to really look ahead and think, you know? I wonder if he's doing it now. I don't or know for the past he, couple of weeks. I don't know he that he. Like, hey, Dion, uh, you any close to coming back or uh, you, everything all right, he, man? He's worried about it in the same way he's worried about if Deion Dawkins turns an ankle. He's worried about it in that context of when is my guy going to be ready to protect me? He's not viewing it through the lens of my guy let me down because he wasn't careful enough. Uh, it, again, we don't really know to what extent Deion Dawkins protected himself here. But that's, that underscores the issue that the Bills and other teams are facing is that when you have significant leaders in the locker room that are all on the same page on this, that's why when people ask me, uh, somebody asked me on the radio or, or somewhere on the sidelines at training camp, you know, do you think COVID will be an issue as a topic? And as it, do you think COVID the topic and COVID the illness are going to cause issues for the bills. I think I said COVID the illness has a much bigger chance to cause a problem for the bills than the topic does, because a lot of the important players in there seem like they're on the same page with it and nothing seems to be moving them off of that page. They're, they're on that page and they're not turning it. Uh, the illness very much could because what's happening to Deion Dawkins could happen to Daryl Williams in week two. It could happen to any player. Um, Based on John Feliciano's thoughts, we can. He we tweeted cannot, at one point that can, he did get vaccinated, I think. I think he responded to somebody saying, like, gotcha, I'm actually vaccinated, you know, or something. But, but I mean, I don't know. Who the hell knows? We don't know who's vaccinated or not. And to the people who say, oh, why do you need to ask that information? This is why. Because eventually, when a guy tests positive, how long he's out, depends on whether he's vaccinated or not. And, you know, Bills fans are going to be clamoring for that information if it happens in week seven, if it happens before wild card weekend and they're without their, their you know, slot receiver. Let's say their slot receiver, we're just picking them out of a hat here, of course. Um, their slot maybe receiver. Maybe a safety. Right, yeah, maybe, maybe a safety. But let's go with the slot receiver because last year he got hurt for the playoffs and he was able to take a shot and play through it. Well, if he tests positive, th that's not how this shot works. You don't get to take it and play through it. You need to have taken it beforehand. So he was willing to do that. He's not willing to do this. And if he misses, it, it won't matter if he's symptomatic or not. You know, he's going to miss a significant amount of time, potentially a game if, if the timing is poor. So that's where it's going to, to resurface. And I don't know that the I don't think the topic becomes a problem in the Bills locker room unless the illness becomes a problem. And then it becomes maybe Jerry Hughes is like, see, told you, like, why didn't you get the shot? Or, you know, maybe there's quite a few guys who have gotten it who are like, well, what about now, guys? Like, thanks a lot. We had a Super Bowl chance, but we were without three starters wild card weekend or for a game that would have got us better seating or for whatever it is. I don't want to get to uh, it's just a comparison. You know, you think of Jerry Hughes being uh, a lot closer to the end of his career than at the beginning. And what a glorious opportunity this is 
uh, for him, Jerry Hughes, to maybe win a Super Bowl, make a deep run, whatever it is. And uh, I don't know if uh, you guys saw the Netflix uh, show on Malice at the Palace and uh, Reggie Miller and his last ride uh, when he thought that he was on the best team in the NBA. And then all of a sudden, because of silliness, uh, because of stupidity, Ron Artest and Jermaine O'Neal and uh, there was another player all got suspended for a gazillion games uh, for the brawl that happened in the stands. Um, we, we, we had the best team. And uh, poof, there it goes. And now Reggie Miller retires, and that's the end of that. Um, This is a wonderful chance that the Bills have right now. Bills fans have been praying for this for 20 years um, to get back to this type of caliber. And this is, um, you know, this is a a Russian roulette, it seems, as though uh, that anything could go wrong at any time regarding uh, COVID and could – sink this team because every game matters obviously not as much as it used to 17 games more teams making the playoffs all that stuff um but this happens at the wrong time this could do you in yeah it could it could be nothing right they could be fine or it could not and you know there's no telling there won't be any warning if they're not there won't be any way to see it coming It'll just happen and it won't be, you know, it'll be entirely preventable. And so right now it's whistling past the graveyard. You're just hoping you're just like, eh, everything is going to be fine until, like you said, until it's not. And like we've mentioned a few times, we don't know. I I do think it's important to note that like 81% or whatever they said, you know, just over 80% had one shot. That means, you know, after a couple of weeks, you get another one. In a couple of weeks, you're fully vaccinated. So really at that point, what they were saying is best case scenario in X number of weeks, we will be 81% fully vaccinated, which as we're seeing the numbers come out around the league is not great. That It sounds good. 81%, you know, most of us in school, were always like 81%, pretty good. B minus, we'll take it. That's not great in this case. Well, that's how does that calculation change when they go from ninety to fifty-three? That's the thing. All it's, the starters. It, it's bad, right? It's it, that's all why the I say guys that, who were hoping to make the roster and were doing whatever they could to make it got vaccinated. I would bet, and because they're also fringe players who need to be able to be brought in on free agent tryouts. Well, and, it's and all these other things with a coach in any sport at any level, well, they'll say, or they don't all say this, but you need to be just as hard on your best player as your worst player to have that credibility in coaching your team. And if you're easy on the star players that that hurts your ability to coach the lesser players. So if there's a double standard of the star players and the highly paid players and the veterans don't get vaccinated and these rookies trying to make the roster do have to get vaccinated. That's a locker room issue that the Bills have to navigate now this season. Like John Wooden used to try to find an excuse. He would, he would invent something to suspend his best player or one of the best players for the first game of the season because usually it was against a non-conference opponent, not that important, and he'd find a way to say uh, how Bill Walton violated a team rule. Bill Walton's not playing today, and everybody would go, holy shit, if Bill Walton's going to get benched, then <laughs> and it worked. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, whomever, somebody would always get benched. Uh, for some bullshit reason, but in the players' minds, it wasn't bullshit. If the Bills came out and said, we're not going to talk about a contract extension with Josh Allen until he proves that he's vaccinated, 
that would have an effect on the other players on the team thinking, hmm, you know, I better get my vaccine too. I better impress these guys. I mean, the problem is they know Josh's vaccination status. They know everybody's. And I think the issue, it is an unprecedented thing from a coaching standpoint, right? You're talking about, oh, you just suspend your, find a reason to suspend your star player to set the tone in the locker room. This is unprecedented. This is a, it is a public health matter, but, you know, you're talking about people's health and, and guys making decisions. You're forcing a guy to do something, you know, it's not above the NFL to force guys to do something with their their body or force them to take something to, to get on the field. But I think that's where it gets sticky. And it's where it's a little, I don't want to, it's a little bit out of Sean McDermott's depth, right? Like, is that unfair to say? Like, I think he's a very good leader. I think he's a very good, uh, he's very good with that locker room. He's very good at tying things together. But I think if you asked him a few years ago, and I think he's handled COVID exceptionally well, for the record. Like, I'm not criticizing his handling of COVID. I think it's out of a lot of our depth. Like, how do you get most companies, you know, companies that have said, hey, you need to get vaccinated too, to work here. You're, you're dealing with maybe one or two people that are being a little stubborn about it. Uh, certainly, like I said, in the case of the accredited media, it was not an issue. Certainly not here in Buffalo. I didn't hear a word about it. Um, so that's a, that's a thing that like, I'm not, I'm not blaming Sean McDermott if that's a little bit out of his depth, trying to navigate having what, 18 anti-vax players. And like, how do you fold that into your team? There's not books on that. There's not, you know, leadership classes or examples that you can point to that, that help you figure out the exact right Andrew, buttons to push. Andrew Cuomo's book. You could read that. <laughs> that would be uh that would be something. Maybe drop that on his desk and, uh, and and see if he can glean anything interesting from it. But it's a tough situation. Like, I feel like a lot of people in football are a little bit out of their depth trying to figure it out because it's so new. It's not – you can't point to, oh, this coach did that and I can try this. It's all happening in real time. The protocols are changing constantly, and you're trying to figure out, you know, there's so much misinformation out there. There's so many strong – I'll call them opinions and finger quotes because like I said, I really don't think Cole Beasley has an opinion other than don't tell me what to do, um, which is like uh, the opinion of a, of a elementary school kid, maybe middle school. uh, You still usually have that, that lingering, don't tell me what to do feeling, but it's a weird situation to be in and we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Well, you know, to your point, treating guys at the bottom of the roster differently than the guys at the top. It's now just an, it's inevitable with, with this particular question. And so how does that change the dynamic of the team? You also have a lot of guys who have gotten paid on this team, right? You have guys, it's very obvious who the important players are now, the whole underdog thing, you know, telling everybody they were looked over, they were passed over this and that, like so many of these guys have now been paid, uh, it's hard to feel overlooked with 258 million bucks in your bank account or however much Deion Dawkins has come in his way. So that vaccination rate's probably going to hover around that 80%. Those, those five guys that got cut the other day, I'm guessing, you know, at least four were vaccinated would be my guess, right? Like probably all of them, because if they want to have a tryout with another team, you know, they need to, they need to get vaccinated. So 
that percentage probably came down after that news. And after they cut a bunch more players, it'll come down even further. And then you're dealing with a quarter of your roster. You know, 18 out of 90 is a pretty good percentage. 18 out of 53, not so great. And so you're dealing with a possibility of an outbreak, the possibility of forfeits, you know, missing key players for, for games. And in the case of Deion Dawkins, it's at a position where they really shouldn't be losing manpower, right? Like, you know, you've got a rookie that you've admitted is extremely raw in Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle, a fifth round pick. And you've got Bobby Hart, who, uh, as Tim's mailbag commenters can attest, is just not an NFL caliber offensive tackle. So yeah, now it's impacting football. So great. Like, why were we asking about it? This was why. Let's wrap it up right there. I think this was a full episode. Uh, we talked a lot about it. Uh, we, we looked at the nuance uh, of the situation. Um, good thing that the Bills drafted Spencer Brown, at least uh, for now. And we'll see uh, how quickly Deion Dawkins is able to bounce back. But uh, it's been a fascinating aspect of training camp so far. Uh, and has been, I think, I don't want to say overlooked, but there's been so many other things going on, most notably Josh Allen's contract, the stadium talk, that Deion Dawkins' COVID situation kind of flew underneath the radar for a little bit. We weren't really sure until, of course, Sean McDermott on Sunday spoke very bluntly, uh, rather, rather frank comments uh, regarding Deion Dawkins, saying that he's got a long way to go. And it's uh, hard to sink your teeth into in the written word, like this format is a good way to kind of talk through the nuance in the written word. No, it's hard to write a story. Yeah. It's hard to sink your teeth into if you don't know whether he's vaccinated, how severe his symptoms were, how much weight did he lose? If any, you know, it becomes a really hard, ambiguous thing to sink your teeth into at all. I mean, in any sort of, I think this format is good, especially when Sean McDermott said what he said to advance the conversation and we're able to talk through a little bit of the nuance and, uh, and things like that. But it, yeah, it was one of those stories that was just sitting there because there wasn't a lot of information about it. It was like, okay, this, their left tackle still isn't here. And then he, when he's finally back here, you know, until he talks. And the COVID until, list is an ambiguous thing until we is. get some sort of perspective or context, I guess I should say. How quickly does yeah, it go everything back? is ambiguous about this. How quickly do we get back with Deion Dawkins to the snowman and his mac and cheese recipes and all of that being more important than whether he's spreading communicable diseases? That's why I say the sooner he talks, the better, because I bet you it'd be by the end of that press conference. It seems to be how quickly these things go. Cole Beasley said, I don't want to talk about this. No questions about this. And within 10 seconds was asked about, you know, Emmanuel Sanders. Somebody should have battle wrapped with Cole Beasley because he would have what he's going to bring to the offense. And so, yeah, typically that's the way these things go. The sooner you talk about them, the quicker they go away. Uh, people don't want to talk about it. People don't want to sit down and watch their football game and know that their lovable left tackle perhaps is not, you know, doing everything he can to protect the community when he holds these events. People don't want to sit down and face those things. They don't. The reason people wanted Cole Beasley to stop tweeting, probably as much as anything else, there were some people that were like, stop tweeting, you're spreading misinformation and you're making the bills look bad. But I think there were also quite a few people who were like, please stop tweeting. I want to be able to root for you. 
Like, and the more you tweet, <laughs> that was a lot of that. The more I just cannot root for you. Like, I don't. And you're making it harder to root for the Bills, and you're making the Bills into the. You know, it was less about the misinformation, and it was more about the. You're making the Bills look like the anti-vax team. So knock it off. Like, stop tweeting. Put your phone away so that I can forget you ever did this and cheer for you on Sundays. And yes, people will very quickly get back to cheering for Deion Dawkins on Sundays. People like Deion Dawkins, as they should. Um, he, he seems like a, a, a likable fellow. It's hard to ever know these guys as much as people want to believe that we or fans know them. But there's no reason not to root for Deion Dawkins. But if he didn't do everything he could to protect himself, then it is disappointing. Uh, should disappoint some folks in the community. But to answer your question, it will happen very quickly because that's how these things go. As soon as you start, all you have to do is talk about it for a little bit. It's written about, it's talked about, people turn the page. And it's not like he's going to sit down for his week two press conference and it's going to be like, all right, Dion, did you learn your lesson? Do you still feel guilty? Yeah. Do you still stay up at night? You know, it just doesn't happen. And so, How do but we... will his answers impact his marketability? I don't know, maybe. Um, and maybe that's what he's trying to sort through as he gets ready to eventually talk whenever that is. Thanks everybody to, uh, I'll spit this out. Let me start again. Thank you to everyone for listening to Tim Graham and friends brought to you by CTBK CPAs and business consultants. We'll be back later this week to talk. Uh, who knows about who, who maybe we'll have a billboard by then. Yeah. Tim Graham and friends might come up with its own billboard. We can invest in that. Um, I don't think that we could do it the same way as the New York podcast did in Buffalo. I think it'd be a little more expensive for us to take out some sort of advertisement in New York City for us. Maybe we could get a billboard in Erie. I don't know. Do you have to go out of town to get some sort of fanfare? Is that what it is? So you can say, look, we got a, we got a footprint. We went ahead and did this thing in a different town. We'll have to talk to CTBK about it sure they can help us work through that acquisition. You, you mean uh, Shampoo, Travis, Bison, Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants, Matthew? Yeah. What other CTBK is there? Oh, I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. I know a, uh, a union that bought a billboard in the city of their corporate overlords, and that seemed to work out well for them. So things like that can work. We don't have any enemies, do we? Do we have anybody that we need to go after? Well, maybe that's step one. Find an enemy. Let's fire. Let's get an enemy. Create an enemy, and then go after him. For Matthew Fairburn of the Athletic, for Jonah Bronstein of the New Bronstein Times, I'm Tim Graham. Thank you for listening to Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK. CTBK is more than just a full service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach to accounting and rise to each new challenge with collaborative problem-solving skills. CTBK goes above and beyond by lending helping hands in the Buffalo and Niagara community through volunteer work and donations and has partnered up with Victory Sports for 2020 and 2021 to keep kids in the community active. The professionals at CTBK are determined to help individuals and businesses succeed. Whether a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400, and see what CTBK's one-team approach 
can do for you.